Hello and welcome to another episode of Second Z's Cubed, brought to you by Alma Pictures and Baker Street Media. This podcast explores cultures from around the world and celebrates performing arts and inspires the next generation of creatives. Join us as we travel to our next destination. We hope you enjoy the show. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Second Z's with your host, Shani Pinar, Ayakali, and Allison Weaver. Today, we will not be hearing from Johnny due to some unexpected events, but we will have the presence of the others, ourselves, and we are going to travel this time to the beautiful land of Colombia. And in this one, we are exploring a video from the Facultad de Artes de la Universidad Nacional de Colombia. And basically, the video is featuring a tour and some interviews with different members of their gallery. It is really celebrating the Colombian culture and also, of course, features art from different members of the university who have become famous and sold their art around the world. And it's a really, really interesting place to visit if you go to Colombia. And I think everyone deserves to go there if you get a chance. And no, Colombia is not what some people think. It's actually a great place. And if you go to South America, check it out. So that is my spoiler for the topic today. We are looking at fine arts. As usual, we go around the world and explore art and performing arts. So today is no exception. We're really looking forward to showcasing some of the beauty of this gallery to you all. Now, some people might say, oh, that's so boring. Our gallery is just looking at art on the wall. How boring is that? But no, it's not actually boring if you actually take your time with it and enjoy the little nuances of the art and let the art speak to you. So hopefully you will get something out of our conversation today as we travel in video format with you to Colombia. So first of all, I will hear from Aya to see what she got out of this. And uh, then I will share some thoughts with you. Thank you for that introduction, Allison. I watched this video a few times because there's just so much to see, honestly. Um, so, so much to see. I feel like you blink and you miss 10 things um, in the video. Uh, definitely reignited my desire to visit Colombia someday. I mean, it's so stunning. The the journey that the host took us on throughout the streets, through the buildings, um, was beautiful to see. And I took some notes throughout the video, but I think a recurring theme is like the art of the architecture itself and the interior design of the buildings and structures that house these art pieces. Just beautiful all around. Uh, like we start off in the Museo Nacional um, and 
you know, I was blown away by the architecture and the interiors, especially if I understood correctly from the auto translate that this used to be a prison um, that was converted yeah. into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure if the auto translate got it right, but I thought it was stunning, especially like I think in the beginning we catch this wall and it's completely dark in the room and you have this wall with a bunch of different paintings on it and the contrast between the darkness and the paintings just gave like this really rich layer mm. to the whole visual experience for me um it was what there, there were some there were two paintings in that room that really caught my eye and it wasn't so much the portraits of the important dignitaries and political <laughs> leaders that caught my eye <laughs> they talked about that in the video about how like art in the I think 1820s to maybe like 1850 was kind of revolving around um, right. political figures or yeah or maybe mm -hmm. it was towards the end of the 19th century but the two paintings that caught my eye on that wall were of like sea life i think there was one painting of a group of like maybe six fishermen by the sea and then there was another one of um some women by the beach one of the women had a basket on her head um and those two paintings caught my eye you know of course there seemed to be a little bit more spontaneity in the subject being shown mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to formal portraits um, but I just generally enjoy um, sea life and depictions of the beach in general and just like the ruggedness and the, what's the word? There seems to be an honesty in in that subject and in the paintings that really struck me, even though, like I said, it's like a big wall of paintings and you know it's hard sometimes mm -hmm. to find something that comes out, out at you but those two really uh stood out in that collection and i think they said that it contains over twenty thousand pieces in that one collection um and which is i feel like you could spend hours and hours in mm -hmm. a in a museum like the british like museum <clears throat> yeah but you know less theft um <laughs> but sorry had to, had to put that in uh it was just beautiful like i said they, we only saw little bits and pieces but from the little bits and pieces that i saw i was completely blown away there were other paintings that they showed later uh done by ricardo acevedo i hope i pronounced his name mm -hmm. right um and they talked about how he was you know influenced by impressionist painters like monet but also post-impressionist like van gogh uh and a lot of his the the paintings that they showed center around women and young girls and you know some of them are portraits and then some of them one in particular uh was of a painting of this small girl who's like hanging off of a post and it mm. like captured just the innocence and joy of childhood and it was done so beautifully and just so softly and uh 
it drew me in right away. Those were some of the things that captured my attention in that first building that we got to tour. And then uh, we move on to an interview with William Alfonso Lopez Rosas. And that took place in this gorgeous, gorgeous room. Like I could not stop staring at the room. There was so much, they played with so much, uh, so much with color in that one room. You saw statues lined up in the back and, you know, in between each statue, there was like this beautiful white column. The, the, the sculptures were dark gray color and then the were bright red there were like a like it's it looked like a lecture hall with bright red seats mm. the painting of the columns and wall were white so that immediately captured my attention there was so much richness in that one um room and that wasn't even necessarily like a display room for art it seemed more of a, was a backdrop theater. to there was the also a theater there yeah yeah there was also a theater. Yeah, those seats. It's like a little theater. Okay, or I was like, this, I couldn't figure out what it was. Yeah, that makes more sense. It's stunning, though, stunning. Uh, and towards the tail end of that conversation, they were talking about Pisano and his importance to the um, construction of the arts education in Colombia, like he took over the school, I believe, in the early 20th century. Um, and then that provided a segue to the National University, where the Pisano Bueno collection is held. And at first, I didn't really grasp what it meant when he was talking about how it's the largest collection of replicas i'm like okay well what's the big deal about well, that, that it's right? a big deal because of the anyway go ahead yeah <laughs> i won't yeah that was there. kind of like my yeah that was like kind of like my first uh thought and then once they discussed more about the reasons behind it and also how they came about how pisano came about to make that collection so much care and money and thought were put into it to educate a new generation of artists in Colombia. Um, I thought that was such a lovely journey that they took us on, you know, how Pisano was in Paris, I think, uh, or, or somewhere in Europe. I think yeah, he went Paris. to the Louvre and yeah. to some other places. Yeah. And, you know, uh, trying to convince him to take over um, the Art Institute. And he was like, okay, sure, but I need the the money um, to make sure to get, you know, a lot of pieces for um, the art students in Colombia. Because, you know, of course, not everyone financially would be able to travel to Europe to get a thorough art education and see all the art pieces there. So, you know, bring that over to, to Colombia, which I feel like he had a very uh, strategic view of the whole thing. And, you know, that, that one point that he made um, provide an invaluable resource to those artists for for many many years to come you know commissioning these replicas from the louvre and all these other museums around europe was 
a genius move, in my opinion. Um, genius may be a little bit of a strong word, but that's just how I felt towards the end of the video. <laughs> Don't worry, we're <laughs> recording to a international audience, people who don't mind. <laughs> so, yeah, I loved how uh, William broke down just how important of a process it was for, you know, artists learning how to perfect their craft to have those visual um, concrete examples of art in front of them. And, you know, how like, a, you know, one student would be working on the leg of a sculpture and the other would be working on an arm. I, it was overall a very illuminating video. Um, you know, I have always had a respect for Colombians and the culture and history um, of their country. Um, I You already touched on that before. I feel like this is such a recurring theme, but we get so bogged down into our own pre preconceived notions of a country based off of like a snippet of what we hear mm -hmm. and that like colors our impression of a country. Mm -hmm. um, and this project and this journey that we're on is so important in uh, counteracting these biases um, because like this is just another beautiful piece in the tapestry of Colombia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you there. That's definitely a big thing. And I was mostly, I was just going around the world in my mind when we were watching that video for the first time. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. this is from this influence of these people, impressionists, and yada, 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 it's the romantic era and la, la, la. You can just see how the how the thing evolved over time. And I think the thing that sticks out to me the most is the is the sculptures that they first they showed from different from different times. Um, some of them were original, some of them were the replicas. I just appreciated how they how they which ones they chose, like Achilles, like the Venus de Milo, like all these different ones. And yeah. I was thinking about, yeah, you have to teach people how to, how to, you can't really totally copy the masters, but you at least have to teach people how to, how to um, understand the process behind these, these big works of art. Like, for example, nobody until now can duplicate the Sistine Chapel. That's impossible. Yeah. Nobody mm -hmm. can. Duplicate the Hagia Sophia. Nobody can do that no. because it's genius. Like that takes like, I think it's like the word that we used before, inspirare. To, and it's like, I will just review the meaning for the etymology for the audience, even though they will hate me for doing this, but we'll just do it anyway. <laughs> because <laughs> inspirare is such an important word to me, so I will mm -hmm. say it. Um, inspirare, inspire. It's like, <clears throat> comes from like, to, to animate, right? So, and spearing, it's like to fill the mind and heart with grace, etc. 
We prompt or induce someone to do something from old French inspirer, from inspirare, which blow into or breathe on, like figuratively inspire yeah. or inflame. From the root en or in inspirare, which is spirit. So put a spirit yeah. into something. And I think the noun form is yes. actually interesting as well. So the verb is to put spirit into something, which I think is super cool. And then the uh, also we have the also the original inspiration comes from immediate influence of God, and especially under which holy books were written from old French inspiration, inhale, breathing in, inspiratio. Noun of action from Paris participle stem of inspirare, of course. And then the sense evolution seems to be from breathe into, infuse animation or influence, thus rouse, guide, or control, especially by divine influence. In Middle English also was used to mean put breath, life, or spirit into the human body, impart reason to a human soul. Literal sense act of inhalate, inhaling. Attested in English from one who inspires others from the 1867. So it's pretty cool. Anyway, so when I when I when I see some of the art, for example, I only can think about that word inspirare because there's something um supernatural about it. And of course, I like the the colonial art a lot because you can see the different painters exploring what they found to be totally new subjects and for them. So it's really interesting how they painted the native populations, how they painted the daily life stuff. How they painted, of course, the, there's of course all the religious themes and motifs, obviously. But it's very, for me, I like, I appreciate the early art from Colombian painters, especially because it's like people are just exploring different themes, different life things. And, you know, that's like the only stuff that the people in the old world got. Right. Yeah. So it's like, how's life down over there? Like, you know, surprise, yeah. you know, <laughs> so yeah. I just found it to be very interesting because there is so so much richness, so much depth in that um, institute or arts arts university complex, I will call it. That there's that there it has really been a been a key in terms of South American arts and culture. Now it's not as big, of course, as the vice royalty former vice royalty of Peru. Of course, Peru yes. is like the center next to Mexico, which beats it out as the main former viceroy seat of the whole Americas in terms of the art scene. Um, but I think Colombia definitely is is right up there. And I think it's something so amazing how they take the diversity of their culture and they put it into art and and they're celebrating diversity there. Like there's so much art, so much culture, so much beauty. And the thing is like, yeah, like there's still progress that they're making in terms of diversity and, and how they treat different groups of people. But 
I think one thing that's beautiful about South America is the way that they do embrace diversity, despite the challenges Yeah. that they have. So it's something that I love when I see the art. It's just like, yay, you are, you are really, you're really doing something beautiful that some cultures don't always understand how to do in a way that honors the cultures. And I think that's something that Colombia does very well. So that's one Yeah. big reason why I wanted to highlight it for us today. Um, and of course, there's plenty of plenty of uh, richness that can be um, taken away from an art lover's perspective and also just from a general person. You can learn so much about the history of the place through there. And that's what I find the most interesting about galleries is you get to to feel what the place was feeling at a given moment in time. I think that's Yeah. what I appreciate the most. Like, Yeah. oh, like you were saying in the post-colonial period when they were first doing the revolutionary art, everyone was feeling inspired and everything was on that track. And then they started to change as things change. So it's a very, Yeah. very interesting. Yeah. I really appreciate also the little snapshots we got of the architecture too and Yeah, definitely. how Mm it's -hmm. all beautiful but it looks different too like from each section of Right, like yeah. the yeah yeah I thought it was stunning Yeah, the architecture is also such a beautiful part of the of the art. I think people forget that, and I I can relate to this because there are some places in the world that you go have as absolutely drab and boring architecture everywhere. And it's like you're looking at, like, someone put a popsicle stick into the ground and called it a play, a thing. And it's like, Oh gosh. I'm dying. So there are certain places where Yes. the architecture is so boring Oh gosh, I can't that stand it can it. put you to sleep. And then there's other places in the world where you see the architecture and it's just very alive. It's very, it's very full. It's very beautiful. It's gorgeous. And so I think there's like a, I don't know, it's a certain, a certain openness or, or uh, freedom of the arts, freedom of architecture. It's so weird. It's not like a common, whatever you call it. It's not like a common thing. It's just a freedom of architecture that you have in this place, you know, like it's such a, such a beautiful, how to say, the beautiful freedom of the architecture that comes Yeah. and and it just allows the audience to to breathe actually there's some architecture that suffocates you know what i mean and then there's some architecture that breathes and this one breathes Mm -hmm. That's how I felt about the Duomo in Milan compared to uh, like other Duomos in Italy. Like some of them felt like they drew you in and, you know, just... instead of like overpowering you they drew you in Yeah, but the Duomo yeah. in Milan was kind of overpowering Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. There's some, there, I, I it's just very interesting. It's like, even with architecture, what are the people feeling? What are they, what are they trying to express in their architecture? That's a really interesting thing too. And I'm no architect, but it's very interesting. Yes. Yeah. Um...
I I know an architect and he the way he talks about he, he doesn't like talking about it too much, which is so funny to me. But yeah, I don't. um yeah. Yeah. You know, like sometimes he'll be walking, I'm like, can you tell me about the architecture of this building? He'll be like, No, but he does talk about <laughs> how <laughs> that's funny. A lot of <laughs> yeah. I'm like, we went to school for all these years and you won't tell me about like the influences. He's like, just no. Um, but he, he, you know, talks a lot about how sometimes with architecture it can come across as very soulless, especially more uh, modern right. architecture. Yeah, modern architecture yeah. is just like lost. It's <laughs> like, what are yeah. you trying to do? But that's like, that has to do with the in-speed Audi as well. Yeah. So he, and I think he um, talks about the importance of authenticity in mm. architecture too. Like if people are just, and I think you see this in the United States, like if you just see people copying certain architectural styles, yeah, even yeah. from, you know, previous historic periods, it doesn't feel as organic. Yeah. It's um, boring. And he said, yeah. yeah, he said the important thing about architecture is taking care of the surroundings and making sure that your surroundings reflect within the buildings that you create and construct right otherwise it seems out of place yeah so it's interesting you know learned architecture just from his books and resources but not so much directly from him <laughs> it's funny yeah, I like yeah. when the architecture goes with the land, with the history of the land, or the people yes. there, instead of going with whatever dream idea somebody had. Especially in in Asia, you can see this. There's there's mm -hmm. there's art or architecture that goes with the place, and that's usually the older stuff. And then yes. there's newer stuff. It's just like, what on earth are you trying to achieve here? Oh, gosh. I can only imagine. <laughs> uh, and, and I see that also happening in Eastern Europe as well. And in, like, some other places. But, like, Africa doesn't have this problem so much. Like, it does a little bit. But they, they don't always... I don't know. It's a different heart, I think. I think it depends on which part of Africa... Um... It, yeah, I mean, it does like, happen. It yeah. does happen. It's not that it doesn't happen. It's just that, like, yeah, it's just that, like, I think it happens a little less because there's not as much industrialization. Hmm. I think, um, like, In from what I've seen, um, because I've been able to, for instance, visit very briefly like my great great grandfather's home right it's yeah. still the structure is still standing there and nice. then comparing it to yeah <laughs> well love to see that little bit of history and comparing it to for instance the homes that my aunts and uncles have you know like the the current generation right. um and so like I enjoy their homes, but some part of me feels a little bit sad because there was so much character in um like yeah. my great grandparents' home. There was just so much character. Is it like, still in your uh, family? Um, 
No, I well, believe it was sold. Yeah, like many many generations ago. Um, and then one of my great grandparents' house was like sold like five or six years ago. So that was recent, but it was like um in like an open courtyard that so there's like an open courtyard in the middle and then the rooms and the remaining structures are built around that open courtyard and then like you'll have sometimes like a fountain in the middle of the courtyard it's just like very beautiful and i feel like more connected with the outdoor like the outdoor indoor living is mm -hmm. um yeah is is built into it so you know i the the current homes are nice but it's just it's lost some character in in yeah. the style i yeah. feel you yeah oh wow we went on an architecture detour yeah we went on a we went on a <laughs> but yeah is there anything else you wanted to talk about the the galleries or anything because i think we covered a lot of ground here and the architecture is just as important as the galleries itself i think Yes, I think I covered everything. I mean, I've talked a lot about the architecture and the interior design <laughs> of these buildings. But yes, I, I enjoyed so much of the artwork. Like it was mm -hmm. a smorgasbord of art. This has been a production of Baker Street Media and Alma Pictures. Join us next week for more of our journey through the world of culture and art. Thanks for joining us.